The following is a member of the Growler Media Podcast Network. Find out more at growlermedia.com. Comey Snake. Welcome back to Escape from New York Minute, where we celebrate and analyze the dystopian classic one minute at a time. I'm Eric Deutsch. And I'm Molly Balin. And we're covering minute 67, and to hell with it, we're going guest list tonight. So let's see how Molly and I do. We have not been alone since the opening credits. <laughs> this should be fun. We've been supervised <laughs> for many, many minutes. Yes. <laughs> this will either be a five-minute episode or a 55-minute episode. I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't know. And Brad's not even here because I think he's... No. He's got, like, a franchise family situation. I think he's got, like, a family in PA and, like, a family in Georgia or something, and he hasn't been giving them any attention, so I think he has to, like, be with them this weekend or something. He's not here. Yeah. Yeah. So it really is just me and Molly. So... Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know what the hell this means. Uh, <laughs> You'll find out. Dun, yeah. Dun, dun. Uh, so yeah, minute 67 starts out with Brain telling the Duke not to kill Snake. It ends with Romero pocketing the MacGuffin. And as Brain tells Duke not to kill Snake, the Duke's patience, Molly, clearly has run out with Brain. He, he keeps Brain around and happy because he needs him for his map and for making the gas. But Brain's saying, oh, you know, let, let, don't kill Snake. We might need him. And without even looking at him, the Duke just points the gun at him and says, get moving, Brain. Yeah, I think the Duke's actually been pretty patient thus far. If I was in his shoes and Brain was giving me this level of bullshit, I would have just been far crazier. I, you know, actually, I have to say, I, I don't so much disagree with the Duke's management style thus far. He actually seems like his shit to, is together, pretty much. I mean... If you've got this guy who's, like, thrown... I mean, this is, like, the biggest... I, I want to say kind of heist, but this is probably, like, the biggest opportunity the Duke has had since he's been incarcerated. And then you've got this twit who makes the gas, who keeps, like, fucking it up for me. So I can totally understand why the Duke's, like... He's been much more patient than I think that anyone else would be. Yeah, that's a good point. And especially since, again, when we first start hearing about him, Cabby says, you cross the Duke once and that's it, you're dead. And he actually has been, he's very restrained when we actually see him, though. It's almost like the they set him up in our minds, and then once we get him, he's almost more, you know, he's letting his reputation precede himself throughout the prison, and he rules by fear without ever actually necessarily following through on the fear. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if anyone's seen the Netflix Narco series at all, but those guys seem like way worse than the Duke in general. I'm just, I'm just saying. So if you haven't seen it, you should. But yeah, he well, has not been. You know, I haven't seen it. You're mentioning it. So. <laughs> no, <laughs> you really should. It's really good. I think you might enjoy it. Or maybe you won't. Okay. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> this is on Netflix. Yeah, it's on Netflix. So they have uh, the Pablo Escobar story, mm-hmm. basically, and then they have uh, in Mexico. They have like a follow up in Mexico. Um, okay. Yeah, it's it's quite. Uh, and they have, did you ever watch, were you a Game of Thrones fan at all? I, You know, I don't have HBO, so I watched, I, th- I think on a free preview weekend, I once watched one episode just to see what all the fuss was about. And 
Uh, you know, I saw a dragon flying around and shooting fire, and I saw Peter Dinklage doing something. Uh, but, you know, it was like season five, so oh, yeah. obviously I didn't know what the hell was going on, you know? Yeah, totally. Um, just like side note, I'll tell you, give you my password if you want to catch up on HBO. Ah, oh, I, my <laughs> wife would love that. She always wa- she she binge watches John Oliver whenever we have those free HBO weekends. Oh, so uh, she would love your HBO. There, password. well, yeah. Uh, when we get off, <laughs> we get off podcasting. Let me hook you up, and then you can check out Game of Thrones, and you can see if it sucks or not, and you can join in on this pop culture phenomenon. Uh, the reason Is why anyone I- <laughs> from HBO listening though, just tune out the last thirty seconds, please. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm totally not going to do that. Um, <laughs> uh, the reason why I mentioned it is because uh, the Viper, who plays a character on there, is in Narcos. So that's why I was okay. trying to make a connection that doesn't exist. Anyway, um, <laughs> so uh, it's interesting because right before this particular minute, minute 66, ends with the president being like, you're the Duke of New York, you're a number one. And I love the start of this mi- minute because there's this, beautiful look of amusement on Maggie and Brain's face. And I'm presuming it's the Duke's side piece. There is a a lady who's just like right over his shoulder, kind of right behind him. But they're all really amused by this whole thing. And I just found it super endearing as a start to this minute in general. Oh, absolutely. I mean, if you're you're in Manhattan prison in the Escape from New York universe, you're in this disgusting situation that you literally will never be able to get out of. And you're looking at the president of the United States, have you know, at, held at gunpoint, chained up on the wall, having to quote, "New York, New York." <laughs> I, you're, there is no way you're not enjoying. It's probably better than any show that's been put on in the prison as well for quite a while. Just saying. So yeah, uh, Brain has been really working the Duke hard to spare Pliskin, and the Duke's like, mm, no. <laughs> You need to get moving and get my diagram over your shit. So I love how Romero here lets out this really weird, high-pitched, crazy laugh. Oh, yeah. In Brain's general direction. And I love Brain's reaction to it, too. He Romero gives him the cackle, and then Brain just looks at him, just gives him this like little smile, like, hmm, okay. Yeah, I feel like that's a very relatable moment, because I... I feel like, and you, I'm sure, especially being in a very like dense urban area, have seen your fair share of crazy and have developed some, you know, procedures to deal with that crazy (laughs) (laughs) over the years. And I feel like he has this very good reaction to Romero in light of that just being like, you're, you're just off your rocker. Like it's, it's a very polite smile. It's the polite crazy person smile of like, you're just like crazy, crazy. And I don't want to anger you or upset you. So I'm going to do this nice polite smile and then I'm going to get out. Right. He can't, he can't, he can't talk back to the cackle because he's the Duke's right hand man (laughs) and the Duke's pointing a gun at him. So just like, okay, yes, that was funny. I'll go. (laughs) (laughs) We've all had enough. Uh, and of course, the Duke continues to waste bullets here. <laughs> <laughs> he does, but I will say that he may suddenly have become a magician with the bullets because somehow this next shot perfectly opens the president's briefcase without actually leaving a hole in it, without actually breaking the chain around his wrist. The bullet just must have just slightly nicked the clasp and hit the combination on the lock to open it up without actually leaving any mark. 
Yeah, it's kind of magical. It's almost like a little trap door there. He's got some Annie Oakley style. I don't know. Maybe the scope is just that good. But <laughs> who knows? I love how Romero pulls off his sunglasses here. That this is a worthy moment to pull the sunglasses off. Because all these guys wear the sunglasses at night. But here, this right here is worth his attention to get up and be like, hmm, something just fell out of the briefcase. I wonder what that is. And so and then so he, he approaches the president and the first thing he does is he does this hair stroke. <laughs> and he, he looks at the president and he takes his left hand and he does this very elaborate like wave up his hair on the left side of his hair. And I, I just... Obviously, it's been one of the great things about Romero that I've always loved, that everyone always has loved since I've seen this movie since a kid. But I never quite understood what the hell this hair stroke is supposed to mean. So I'm hoping this might be that moment where we actually have seen the same movie and, and share the same reference. Because what, <laughs> it, what it reminded me of is, did you see Dark Knight? Yeah. Thank fuck. Okay. So... <laughs> We did it! We did it! So you know they're having that gala thing in Bruce's penthouse, um, the fundraiser, and the Joker busts in, and he's just really intimidating the guests, and Rachel Dawes, and you don't see her right away, but you can hear her off camera, and she says, like, look, stop it. And then you see her, and the Joker kind of straightens his hair. He's holding the switchblade, but he kind of straightens his hair out. And he's like, ooh... Like, beautiful. And that's what it kind of reminded me of, is the Joker kind of straightening his hair to, like, step to him. So I thought it was this kind of sensual and intimidating sort of a move. Like, I'm, I'm going to straighten myself out to talk to something because this is going to be an important moment. But there, it really isn't. It's just, it's just intimidating and freaky. Yeah, it's almost like a moment where Romero knows that he's strange and creepy and so he's going to do something strange and creepy specifically to freak out the president. Which must be the best high ever. <laughs> <laughs> and I can't remember if we've talked about this or not. Did we talk about the weird ass noose thing hanging from his belt? It's like second 45, you can, or 44 to 45, you can kind of see it. Ah, no, we have not. Yeah, that looks like a noose. So is he also um, the Duke's hangman? Hmm. Wow. Yeah, maybe so. I just thought it was a very interesting accessory to have. Yeah, because it's not something that's going to serve you well in an impromptu fight. It's 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 something that it's for a hangman. It's something for a planned thing that you would set up ahead of time. I don't know what other. I mean, yeah, that that is I. I I've never noticed that. I hadn't either, and I couldn't remember. I was like, God, I know we talked about him, but I couldn't remember seeing it previously. Not that the man can't accessorize later. You know, he can change <laughs> outfits. He can add to things. It's totally cool. But I was like, God, what is the... I mean, he's like a stringy, crazy dude, so I can imagine, like, fighting him would just be, like, the guy would, like, scratch your eyes out. But, like, I just was wondering if you were to get into a scrap, like, you've got this pretty... I mean, he's got long hair too, but you've got this really easily accessible rope that you could hold onto and sort of control him with. So it just seemed like a strange accoutrement. But yeah, I was just curious about that. And but also kind of cool because it's like it's just a noose hanging off of him. So 
Right, and it would be something easy to turn against him, too. If you could grab a hold of it, you could wrap it around his neck. Right, so slightly impractical from what I'm thinking, but, mm, I don't know. It's, he obviously, as is a, is a character actor, made the choice, but I, I'd be curious to know what the reasoning was behind that. So, uh, tell everyone what Romero does next with uh, the all-important cassette, Molly. It's really fucking weird. <laughs> well, he holds it up next to his ear like a conch shell to listen to the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, okay, like, let's, <laughs> they certainly, he certainly has to know what a cassette is and that a cassette needs a cassette player. He hasn't been in prison his entire natural life. No. Why the hell is he holding the cassette up to his ear? Yeah, it's kind of, it, it's a weird, it's a really weird move. I just, what, as a kid, what did you make of that? Like, what was that? Did you have, like, a theory I, I think as a kid, I just thought, like, he was really listening to see if he could hear something. <laughs> and then, you know, once I was an adult, I was like, oh, obvi- that's, uh, obviously that can't be it. But now that I'm even more older, it's like, well, he's so nuts. Maybe that could be it. Hmm. He could just be that fucking high and that weird <laughs> that he's listening to it that way. And I and that would not surprise me, you know. But yeah, it's a very strange move. <laughs> but it is interesting that out of all the shit that falls out of that briefcase, he obviously zeroes right in on it. Not the other papers in there, but the cassette. Like, that really hits home to him right away. And he goes ahead and he pockets it. Yep, yep. So Romero now has the cassette. Uh, as I said back in the intro, our famous MacGuffin of the movie, it's in his front chest pocket. And you mentioned the papers, and you're right, nobody cares that those papers fall out, but those papers have an interesting importance in a previous script, though. In the draft script, the camera actually moves along with the papers as they blow across the ground, and the Duke picks up one of the papers, he looks at it, and he tosses it away. The camera then stays with the papers, though, as they flutter across the street. I guess the scene is taking place outside in the draft script. Hmm. And the papers then hit a car and stop. And the camera pans out to realize that the car is Cabby's taxi. And Cabby then stands there looking at the papers. Oh, that's interesting. And I'm wondering as we get deeper into the movie, because I only been looking at the script for the minutes as we record them to maintain a little bit of um, uh, mystery for me as, as I go through this. I'm wondering if in the draft script later on, we're going to find out that the papers had some kind of importance that they don't have in the final product. That's the only thing I can think of. And I would think that there would be some inherent value in any type of documentation that would be in a briefcase that's tethered to a president's wrist. Just saying. So, yeah, it's very interesting that they've really glossed over that paperwork throughout this. But then again, these guys are, you know, pretty blunt instruments for the most part. So, you know, maybe that's just they're they're looking for the rawest resource possible, which is the president himself, really. Right. I mean, I can't remember all the way back to the beginning when they set the president up with the briefcase and he got in the pod. If, if we saw the inside of the briefcase, but all we've heard about this whole movie is the cassette. Mm-hmm. It's how important the cassette is. And even when we discussed the board game, the board game even attached equal importance to the cassette to the president. So it's a bit of a surprise that when we finally get this briefcase open, which we've seen attached to the president this whole time, that papers come flying out because it's almost like 
we were led to believe the only thing in there was the cassette. Mm-hmm. I had this really horrible... You've seen Pulp Fiction, I take it? Uh, well, yeah, it's one of my favorite movies, so... But now we're on a roll. Now, I know! This is, like, the most magical <laughs> minute. <laughs> Why didn't he just, like, put this in an orifice? <laughs> oh! <laughs> Wait, the papers or the cassette? The cassette. Well, I mean, you, know, you, could, <laughs> you could pull off the, you know, the reels, right? I just feel like, I don't know. I mean, maybe they've done a cavity search. I just kind of feel like maybe they, you know, there's an extra layer of protection that could have been done here. <laughs> I mean, the cassette is not the shape needed <laughs> for, I, I mean, unless you're talking about swallowing it or shoving it up his nose if where if you're talking about where I think you're talking about oh yeah it is not it is not a conducive shape to entering that body cavity no you'd have to break that up to make it easier <laughs> on yourself for sure for sure no I totally I totally get that I mean yeah <laughs> we don't want people to be uncomfortable but I'm just saying you know when there's the fate of the world you know, yeah. at play. Maybe but, stick it up your ass to avoid something happening to it. <laughs> yeah, but the, but the Pulp Fiction scene you're referring to was just, you know, a small gold watch. I mean, that that's easy. You know, anyone <laughs> could do that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I really want to get some Hallmark cards with that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a small gold watch. It's easy. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, I was just, I don't know, you know, when when people are, I don't know, you know, you, you do what you can, I guess, so. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, this, this president is so spineless, he's not shoving anything up his ass, to, to, to even for the fate of the world. It's just, he's got, this guy is so gutless, there's no way that he would even, he wouldn't consider doing it if his handler said, uh, Mr. President, uh, we think that the best thing for you, instead of having to carry this briefcase handcuffed to your wrist would be for us to uh, get you some uh, KY gel. Uh, we'll, we will assist you in inserting this uh, into the official presidential rectum. He would say, uh, no, I'm sorry, I, I can't do that. Just get the briefcase, thank you. <laughs> Harrison Ford would do it. <laughs> <laughs> I like how it's the official presidential rectum. Yes. <laughs> and so there is a great, non-verbal acting done by Donald Pleasance here mm. as Romero picks up the cassette and does his wacky thing with it. This great sneer of just like, oh, you little prick. That's the most important thing in the world right now. And you don't even realize it. And you are now holding it. It is such a great look because it's really the first time that we see any kind of, I guess, defiant emotion from the president here, he's been so cowering to the Duke, and here he's finally showing, even just for a few seconds, that he, he he is showing something here that if anyone was paying attention, which they're probably not, they might have picked up on. Yeah, it really is the most uh, it's disappointed face that we've seen. The He's been nothing but rolling over this whole time. And he's just been a complete coward. And you're right. This is the one, like, I'm just going to, like, give you that face. And I don't know that we'll see. In, well, yeah, I guess we do see one the very, very end from him. Right. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, this is this is the only time that we've seen him have any kind of backbone at all. 
And it really is just like a thing of like, you know, the fate of the free world is sitting in this schmuck's jacket pocket right now. <laughs> and he doesn't even know it. <laughs> and interestingly enough, in the shooting script, the president does not see Romero pick up the cassette. So he doesn't even know he has it. Oh, interesting. So it's, it's a, so that's a, that's a tweak that John Carpenter made uh, when they were filming. Yeah, we're peak screwed at this point in the movie. I mean, literally, this is this is the beauty the beauty of the middle of like the middle of second act, which is basically like where everything is lost. Right. Know? Absolutely. <clears throat> so yeah. And that's kind of uh, where we we don't we have this awesome. I'm going to yeah. save it for the for the next minute, but there's there's a guy with the best tattoo I've ever seen that's coming up in the next minute that I'm going to tease. But all right, I like that. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep the count going. We've got our latest eye twitch from the Duke. Oh, yeah, it's it's very subtle. You have to be paying attention to it. Uh, and I didn't even write down what second it happens at. So sorry, anyone who's playing along in the home version. But there is our latest eye twitch in this minute. Ah, so if you're playing along, it's time to take your shot of whiskey because we got another <laughs> eye twitch. <laughs> and speaking of the Duke, I wanted to just call out, we haven't done this yet. Um, there have been a few other fictional Dukes in, in pop culture over the years. And I wanted to just call a few of them out, the ones that come to my mind. This, this can show a bit of my pop culture fandom here. The first one, of course, Duke from G.I. Joe. Oh. Uh, who was one of the main G.I. Joe leaders of, of the Joe team. Uh, he was a sergeant, and usually in the cartoon and the comic book, he was kind of second in command to General Hawk. Uh, of course, Bo Duke, Luke Duke, Daisy Duke, Uncle Jesse Duke, all the Dukes of Hazard. <laughs> you, can't, you can't talk about Dukes and not mention them. And I want to go with an obscure one here in the movie Major League. In the big final game when the Yankees, uh, when the Indians beat the Yankees in the ninth inning, the Yankees bring in a pitcher that they call the Duke. Uh, Bob Euchre says, they're not wasting any time. They're bringing in the Duke to try to shut the Indians down. And then the Indians end up winning the game against the Duke. Hmm. I don't know if you have any fictional Dukes that you would like to call out as well. Well, as you know, I love Dune. So I have to say Duke Lido Atreides. Ah. I'm trying to think if there's any other Dukes. Yeah, I think you covered that. I was going to say Dukes of Hazard, but I think we already hit the the full full spectrum of that. Yeah, that's great. And let's let's give a let's give a little Wikipedia tidbit here for people who don't want to look up what Duke is in Wikipedia, because it comes from. Did you know, Molly? Hmm. The word Duke comes from the French word Duke, D-U-C, and I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right because I took Spanish. <laughs> that was based on the Latin word. Dukes, D-U-X, once again, did not take Latin, so don't, no, sorry if I mispronounced that. And that meant leader, and it was a term used in Republican Rome to refer to a military commander without an official rank, particularly one of Germanic or Celtic origin, and later coming to mean the leading military commander of a province. Oh, interesting. Wow. That's fascinating. That kind of makes I sense. Got all that, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I read Wikipedia, and that's where I got that from. And, of course, now, you know, modern-day times, you hear about Dukes, you think about all the uh, rulers in uh, the royalty of the UK. Right, right. Good stuff. No, I was just thinking about Rome 
If you, when I give you the password for HBO, you should see Rome. <laughs> which, which she's really not gonna give me HBO people. I'm not. It's it's a, it's hint, a pull. Hint, wink, wink. <laughs> it's all theater of the mind. It's just we're just talking. I'm just teasing Eric with with fantasies of HBO. But uh, <laughs> if if you were to for some day get HBO and see Rome, it's it is interesting because they have. You know their conquests in Germania and uh, in France, Gaul, and so it kind of makes sense if you're conquering those lands and you're going to incorporate them into the Roman Empire, and you know eventually take the you know folks in, and they're going to run up the ranks. That you're going to have to give them some sort of military or leadership designation, but because they're not you know proper Roman citizens, you're going to have to come up with some other term for them. So. That kind of makes sense. Thanks, HBO. <laughs> Thanks, HBO. <laughs> well, this has been Minute 67. You can follow us on Twitter at NYMinutePod, also the Facebook group Brains the Library, the Escape from New York Minute Hangout. And I want to give a shout-out to the non-existent Brad, uh, our strong yet silent producer, and we much appreciate his edits and uh, just everything he does for us. So... And with that, be on time, stay out of the sewers, and we'll meet you on the other side of the wall.